This is Scott Vanderpilu, and you're listening to the Artist Edition Index Podcast, Episode 24. Welcome back to All Things AE, as we look <clears throat> at the Artist Edition market from every angle. This we are taking the written word from uh, the website aeindex.org and bringing it to you <clears throat> right here on this podcast. It's the end of the month, so we'll be recapping October. Uh, quite a bit happened uh, in October. As far as events for myself, I don't know necessarily much happened in the Artist Edition Index market, and that's interesting. I'm uh, a little preview for uh, November. I'm working on an article, rather long, called Publishers Are Failing the AE Market. And I'm looking at, uh, I'm taking a, a, written, a recent book's release as an example, going through its schedule, how, how it came to market, how it was advertised or not advertised, and then how it finally got to us. And then from there, I'll be breaking down where I see things that could be happening are not happening. So I feel uniquely qualified to write this since I've been following the market, I think closer than anyone else and writing about it. But that's uh, getting ahead of ourselves. <clears throat> this is uh, Scott Vanderplan, as I said, your host for this and everything that we talk about is available on the Artist Edition Index at aeindex.org. You can follow us on Facebook at Artist Edition Index or at Twitter at aeindex. Um, I was on Google Plus, like everybody else, uh, but well, like anybody trying to promote stuff, I'm not necessarily users on Google Plus because that platform's been canceled. But uh, for now, the link's still on the website if you're a Google Plus fan. Uh, get in there while the getting's good. All right, what uh, focus for this month? was uh, my recent trips. I spoke about it briefly on uh, the podcast last month because I just got back and the podcast was a day late last month. But this time around, I went to Baltimore, to the Baltimore Comic Con, and then the following, well, a little bit over a week, I went to New York. And uh, I did not go to New York for the New York Comic Con. I went for a family trip, but while I was there, I went to the Society of Illustrators and saw the two exhibitions that I was thankful to see. Their Avengers exhibition and the uh, EC and Mad exhibition. Um, Baltimore Comic Con was awesome. It was a very comic-centric con. Um, there were a few dealers selling other things, but mostly it was just comic books. And then a lot of artists. Um, part of my focus for going to the con was to see uh, what creators do in artist editions. Uh, this is sort of a thing I've been doing the last couple of years uh, in my local cons in Ontario. But uh, Baltimore was a great opportunity, and I had some friends who wanted to go on a road trip. And I got a press pass, so it all came together for sure. Uh, I brought, uh, I think, 10 or 11 artist editions with me, everything that fit into my medium-sized suitcase. And then I, well, I tried to get them in with the boxes and they wouldn't fit. So this is the first time I've traveled without the boxes. And of course I got a few dings on the corners. Uh, yeah, the suitcase was full of artist editions and then whatever clothes I was bringing was just framing around the books as padding. 
Uh, so I rolled them around the con, get to an art, <clears throat> excuse me, get to an artist's table, open the suitcase, pull the book out, get it signed. Um, in my mind, I was just gauging, are these, you know, is it worth it to haul an artist's edition around to a con, carry it around the whole day, bring it to an artist, and then just get a tiny signature? Is that worthwhile? In my mind, I'm saying no. If I haul a book to a con, I'm hoping that the artist is going to do a little something special for me. And that's not, I'm not putting that onus on creators to do that. I know it's based on t available time or what they like to do or what their process is. But I just want to provide that information to people so that they can make that educated decision and say, oh, look, uh, Mark Schultz is at the show. He does this awesome sketch in a book. And as he said to me, oh, I like to do a sketch in these when I get them. Do you mind? Mark Schultz was probably the most polite uh, artist I've ever met at a show. And uh, he drew this amazing sketch. I loved it. And then he asked me if I wanted to personalize. Again, so awesome. And then uh, Frank Cho uh, was charging, but uh, he signed it and uh, did a signature and a quick uh, Wolverine head sketch. And then everybody else just signed it. And I thought, well, that's nice to get the book signed. I do like getting my artistician signed. It's just one, am I paying for it? Two, am I hauling it? And three, uh, is it worthwhile at the end? I guess since this is my main collecting focus, a lot of times I do think it's worthwhile. I think I talked about it when I was in Toronto for Fan Expo Canada. I had the books in, a, in my old paper bag so I could haul them around the con, and that uh, my back hurt for weeks afterwards because you know I'm getting middle aged, and that's just not the way to go anymore. And then I, uh, the suitcase worked okay you have to excuse my sniffles i think i have a sinus infection right now it's that time of the year for allergies and southern ontario falls upon us um well maybe late fall early winter um i saw somebody at baltimore with a uh like a, a small cart not necessarily a cart almost like a like a like those folding luggage carts i think he had five artist editions on there in the boxes and then just strap down. I thought, you know that? I think that's the way to go. Uh, you pull the book out. Um, open it up in the box. The artist can just sign it. And then you fold it back up in the box. And you're good to go. So Baltimore is awesome. If you're a fan of comics, I would definitely go to that show. It was interesting to see people wandering around Baltimore getting stuff signed. But then not to actually see any artist editions for sale. Which I understand it's a bigger item. Bigger ticket item. But it was surprising not to see at least a couple based on the artists that were at Baltimore. You'd think, I mean, Walter Simonson's got seven artist editions. You'd think maybe somebody would just have one of those in stock and want to bring it along. But it didn't happen. So uh, you can read a little more details in my article, but Baltimore, awesome show. Um, something that did not appear on the AEindex.org website, but did appear on the sister site, Comic Book Daily, where I've been writing for huh, eight years was my coverage of the Society of Illustrators exhibit. Um, amazing artwork. Uh, it's a nice building in New York. Uh, three floors, well, four floors actually in the basement. So you, the main floor is their main exhibit area. And then the Avengers. It was, it was, I think it was called Art of the Avengers. Um, but uh, there was not a lot of Avengers art. There was that Avengers 16 cover, my favorite cover gorgeous to see it uh, first in the artist edition and then to see it in person like that was amazing and then a lot of uh, spider-man art 
some great uh, Ditko pages. I think it was from Amazing Spider-Man 22. Five pages? And then a uh, big Simonson uh, portion. And then uh, a big Herb Trim section and then other Hulk covers. So uh, really nice stuff. And then uh, you go to the basement and then there's more stuff. Did some newer stuff. They have a Raphael Grandpa, that Strange Tales 2 cover. Just amazing. That was gorgeous art. And then they had uh, a video playing. That uh, that instructional video that uh, Stan Lee and John Musima did. Uh, that was playing. It was nice just to, just to break it up. And they had uh, tables in the bottom area. I guess, I don't know if they use it for cafeteria or something. But you could sit down and, and admire the art. And then uh, up on the third floor which was a bit weird because it's the that's where their restaurant is that's where they had the EC art so we were uh, we got there just before lunch but there was somebody there for early lunch so we're moving around the tables trying to admire the art and people are, these two people are having lunch and we're trying to get around them you know be polite but it was a bit awkward that space but to see the EC artwork I mean just to take in the value of what was in that room was astounding there was a uh, there was a full Al Williamson story gorgeous and then uh, just a lot of covers Really, really great exhibit. And it was so nice that they crossed over that I got to see both. Uh, it was, I mean, it wasn't planned that way, but it certainly worked out. And uh, as part of the Mad exhibit, uh, they had one of the, they had the Mad Arts edition on display, which was neat to see. And then when you went down to the gift shop or the uh, store, it was a very tiny space by the front door. They had three Arts editions for sale, the EC stuff. And I think it was uh, the Johnny Craig one. Uh, I did pick up the exhibition catalogs. They're eight, they're uh, eight and a half by eleven. Uh, some stuff was full size. Uh, some stuff was four to a page. It really varied. The entire exhibit in either catalog was not included. Like that, I Williamson story. I think only the first two pages were included. So it would have been nice to get a better representation of all the art there. But uh, it was a great uh, catalog to capture what original art was available for the catalog. Anyway, that's my travels from the, earlier this month, and let's get into our normal artist edition uh, format for the podcast, and let's look at shipping changes. Let me, all right, there's quite a few changes to the selection we have, so let's dive in. Um, Berkeley Breathes Bloom County Artist Edition has been moved to November 28th, which happens to be the date the Jim Lee's DC Legends Artifact Edition switched to last month so I find it hard to believe that both of these will ship on the same day so look for one of those to change Don Rose's The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck Volume 2 moved to March 27th so that's a quite a leap I think that's almost a that will put it at almost a year late from its original station date <clears throat> then the big news was the Sandman Overture J.H. Williams the third gallery edition was cancelled uh, and I posted about that in a DC retailer newsletter. They said it was canceled. It will be resisted at a later date. But uh, who knows if that will happen. The list of available artist editions shrink more and more. Because, uh, well, let's move to solicitations. Where we had no new books solicited this month. So it's a, another repeat of no new books. But we do have the second printing of the Bernie Wrights and Artifact Edition solicited. I thought this was solicited earlier, but maybe it was only just appeared in the Diamond website. But that second printing has been moved off now. And uh, it's scheduled for March 27th, 2019. Which, wasn't that this, the, that's the same date that Don Rose's The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck has been scheduled to. So even that, who knows, that's clearly not going to happen either. So I'm not quite sure who's doing these dates. 
Oh well, what are you going to do? Uh, yes, the uh, the monthly cycle of artist editions seems to be over. Uh, solicitations are few and far between. I don't know if that's for scheduling or uh, just catching up or the market's been oversaturated. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right now, we have a reduced number of available artist editions and then IDW has been moving their dates further afield. Or maybe something's happening specifically at IDW. Because the other publishers seem to be keeping their reduced schedule of one or two books a year. Uh, Graffiti is uh, behind IDW with three books, but now that that book's been cancelled, they're back down to two for this year. It's a bit of a regular cycle. Let's look at sales. I'm, uh, oof, my allergies are really driving me crazy today, so I can't get all out <coughs> that I'd like to. Uh, let's see. Uh, no artist edition books were published in September, so we have no monthly sales for there. But we do have out-of-print sales. Let's look at those. Dave Stevens' The Rocketeer Artist Edition, one copy sold for $175. So we see an uptick in uh, sales numbers for that book. It seems to have been down for a while, but now at least that's back up. Uh, the second print, two copies sold, an average of one thirty-two fifty. David Mazzicelli's Daredevil Born Again Artist Edition, five copies sold, an average of two fifty-nine. I'm not sure what that uptick is or what the uh, suddenly that surge again for this book. Possibly the most in-demand book that has yet to receive a reprint. One copy of ElfQuest Gallery Edition sold, forty-nine ninety-five. One copy of Gene Colan's Tomb of Dracula for one twenty-four ninety-nine. Two copies of Gil Kane's The Amazing Spider-Man Artist Edition for one thirty thirty-five average. One copy of Jack Davis's EC Stories Artist Edition for one twenty-nine. Three copies of Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four: The World's Greatest Artist Edition for an average of one forty-eight thirty-two. Two copies of Jim Starlin's Marvel Cosmic Artifact Edition, averaging a hundred and fifty. $100.50, sorry. John Byrne's Fantastic Four Artist Edition, uh, no, none sold, but seven copies of the X-Men Artifact Edition sold for an average of one twenty-seven zero one. Three copies of John Romita's Amazing Spider-Man Artist Edition. That's that, uh, an early Artist Edition for an average of one forty-six thirty-three. We haven't seen uh, activity on that book in quite a while. One copy of Lone Wolf and Cub Gallery Edition for 71 one copy of P. Craig Russell's Strange Dreams Artist Edition for $149.99. Two copies of Sergio Aragona's Grew the Wanderer Artist Edition for $94.97. Five copies of Spawn Vault Edition, averaging $144.98. One copy of Stranko, Agent of Shield First Print, $75. Two copies of Usagi Jimbo Samurai and Other Stories for an averaging $86.26. Two copies of Wally Woods EC Stories Artist Edition First Print, $225 average. Two copies of the second print, averaging 195. And finally, four copies of Will Eisner's The Spirit Artist Edition, averaging 130.74. Market is hot uh, for uh, eBay right now and for these issues with prices all over the place. I mean, we're seeing huge increases for some older issues as far as uh, price goes. And then we're seeing drastic sales on other books. 75 bucks for Starenko first print. I mean, that's well below cost. Um... Then the John Murray Effect Edition, which, I mean, to be fair, has a high demand, right? Just slightly over over normal cover price. And then, uh, yeah, just all over the place. So I think that 
know, reiterates that there's deals always to be had uh, if you're in the United States and can take advantage of cheap shipping for eBay. Uh, there's definitely deals. Just got to watch. Uh, we had uh, a letter from uh, Rob W., frequent uh, letter writer for me. And uh, said he, uh, we had had some talk about Ronan Gallery Edition. He had picked that up and uh, said it was well worth the wait. That is one of my favorite artist editions. I think I've talked about that on the show as well. Wonderful book. All right. Let's, uh, two reviews this month. And uh, both of them, I'm catching up. Uh, we've talked previously about how uh, I had had a, a deal in the U.S. that fell through, so I had some issues that I had missed out on, and then I was just catching up. One of those was uh, Frank Cho's Savage Wolverine Arts Edition. And uh, while I had got it through my regular comic shop, I had, just because of the other material and trips, I hadn't had a chance to review Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise Gallery Edition. So let's look at those two books. Uh, here's the blurb for Frank Cho's Savage Wolverine Arts Edition. Frank Cho is a modern comic art master, influenced by the great American illustrators like Franklin Booth and Joseph Clement Cole, and comic book artists Frank Rosetta and Al Williamson, to name a few. Cho has incorporated these great talents and developed his own unique style, one that has made him a fan-favorite sensation. This artist edition collects the first five issues of the Savage Wolverine in all its glory, and like all artist editions at full size of the original art. Fans of Cho will be mesmerized by his gorgeous art and intense action scenes. These will be an artist's edition you will treasure for years to come. 140 pages, 14 by 21 inches, 150 US, uh, released June 27th. Now this one, uh, I don't know, I can't, I could not, I asked my local comic shop to get through Diamond, waited two months, never came in. Back order, back order, not available. Uh, they seem to be available online, I got this one from eBay. Uh, I think I got it for 100 bucks. Other people I've talked to, same thing, either, uh, online sales of other things. I did just miss getting this from Midtown Comics for 90-something. But what are you going to do? It's interesting in this blurb, it says, uh, like all artist editions at full-size original art, which isn't true for the Peanuts strip and is also not going to be true for the uh, Berkeley Breathe, but we'll let that go. So five full issues, including the covers, and then a nice gallery at the back. Um, and the important thing to note about this is that they added the, they added the digital lettering. Here's the blurb that says the table of contents. Savage Wolverine was lettered digitally. We have added the lettering to enhance the full experience of the story and art. So that's awesome. I'm so happy to see the lettering included. So we can look at this and it's a comic book, right? We can admire the art. We can read it. We can enjoy it as a work. Not just an art book. Not something just to flip through, but something to read it. Take it in. Um, it's great to see full covers and then the art. Uh, Cho's art is uh, is quite nice. Uh, yeah, if you take a look at the review, you see there's some really really nice splashes, and I like his uh, I like his page design. I like the way he does layouts, reminiscent for me of uh, Stranko, uh with full figures and things like that, uh, dominating the page and then breaking up into panels. Uh, it's really great stuff. And then the extras are nice too. Just uh, Character development, uh, character sketches, how cover prelims, uh, all around. It's a really, really nice book. Uh, unfortunately, it's one hundred and fifty dollars because anything over the twelve by seventeen original size 
so that includes this size or 14 by 20 like some of the other systems have been or 15 by 22 those are all 150 so I'm glad to see IDW has a, a set price standard one for the smaller books and one for books that are not that size alright second review this month was Terry Moore Strangers in Paradise Gallery Edition so here's the blurb Terry Moore's work as a writer and artist and letterer are on display for all to see in the new Terry Moore Strangers in Paradise Gallery Edition. Celebrate the 25th anniversary of SIP with this presentation of Moore's art spanning the entire Eisner Award-winning series. The evolution of Terry together with Francine, Kachu, David, and all of the other characters that inhabit the SIP world is captured in this 248-page large-format hardcover edition. The artwork contained in this Smythe-Sone Deluxe Edition is framed by the original 20-page version of the very first SIP story in SIP 90, the series' 2007 finale. Included between these bookends is a representational page from each of the 105 issues published between issues 1 and 90. Also included is an extensive gallery section containing covers and miscellaneous SIP art for the last 25 years. Sourced from high-resolution scans, the original art, and reproduced at the actual size, this 12 by 17 deluxe volume is printed at 200 line screen on heavy paper stock to approximate the look and feel of the original art itself. So as we just heard, 12 by 17, 240 pages, 125 US. I find it interesting to say in the blurb there that you only catch this stuff after more information is made available to you. Because it says that uh, the original 20-page version of the very first SIP story because when you get the book, uh, in amongst the first issue are these uh, overlays with published pages from Strangers in Paradise 1, Volume 1, Issue 1. You know, And you think, what? there's no note about this. Why are these here? What's the changes? And I had a chance to talk to Terry Moore at Baltimore. And he said, yeah, the, uh, he did the original artwork and then he got the publishing deal. And then he sort of panicked and said, hey, maybe these aren't good enough. And he made some changes to what was published. So here we get a nice presentation of both things. And then, uh, as it was said, you know, bookended, and then like the description said, one page per issue, and I thought, oh, that's going to be a lot like the same in gallery edition. You know, but uh, that didn't turn out to be that way. The uh, We actually get page sequences in the book, so you may end up with three pages from an issue if it if it works together and it's part of the part of the story. And it's really interesting to see Moore's art develop and his style change, and then actually him to use different styles within the series. Uh, you know, he does he does a Bill Watterson, Calvin Hobbs, which I included in the in the review there, and then he's got some uh, uh, almost some uh, Mooka covers in his style, really nice. And then the gallery section is really impressive. There's uh, just promotional pieces and posters and covers and all kinds of great art. You really get a full representation of Moore as an artist. Um, as I said in my closing. You know, if we wanted to get a better representation of Moore as a writer, though, I think giving us maybe eight or eight or nine issues between issues one and ninety would have been a better overall look at uh, Moore as an artist and writer as, as a total cartoonist if he's doing the lettering as well. But uh, I was uh, I hadn't really read a lot of uh, Terry Moore. I read uh, some Rachel Rising, and I hadn't read any Stranger in Paradise. But uh, because of my commitment to to buy and review every one of these books, I picked this up, and I'm really thankful I did. Uh, wonderful product. And that brings me to the end of this podcast. I think I'm going to cut it a little bit short today. I am whew, suffering through this uh, sinus infection. I would like to mention that uh, if you'd like the site, you like what we're doing, please support us either by joining our Patreon, 
which is uh, minimum level is a dollar. And if you'd like to give more, please give more. But uh, supporting us uh, monthly would be awesome. And the other way to support us is to use the links on the website to buy your books. If it's available to you, if you like the retailer, um, I've got some, you know, I've got U.S. retailers with things from another world and a U.K. retailer with Forbidden Planet. Then eBay and Amazon if the books are available there. So if, if, if it makes uh, something available to you, then please use affiliate links. Uh, these two sources uh, help offset the costs. Uh, I don't get any of these books for free. Uh, no review copies, no, uh, no nothing. I buy them all myself. And uh, I've made the commitment to buy every artist edition in, uh, in the field and talk about it and review it here. So thanks for joining us for this once more, this look at all things RS Edition. You can join us uh, every day at RS Edition at uh, aeindex.org. I don't post, uh, I average one to two posts a week. And uh, there is a newsletter you can sign up for. It comes out Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, and that uh, gives a recap of the week. So if you're not the uh, follow the website uh, kind of person, which is great, you can sign up for the newsletter and get a recap uh, on your weekend just to uh, know what happened in the artist edition world. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next month.